Welcome to the Twins Talk It Up podcast, where my identical twin brother and I share our thoughts and provide solutions for executives and professionals who want to become masters of speaking and communicating so that they can maximize their influence and impact. Yes, we are identical twins who happen to also be public speakers, executive coaches, and sales leaders. Our company, DSP Leadership Group, focuses on equipping leaders who want to speak with confidence and authority, all while using their authentic voice. Here on the Twins Talk It Up podcast, we present topics about communication and leadership from our perspective as individuals and as twins. Welcome to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. I want to welcome you to another episode of Twins Talk It Up. My twin brother and I are excited to have our next guest join us. When you think about the Olympics, you got to start thinking about these incredible athletes, the mindset they have to have, and the way they push their bodies to have peak performance. What's amazing about these athletes is that they also utilize coaching, coaching to help them get that edge. Today, our next guest talks about how he uses coaching to help his clients to get a winning edge. Today, we want to welcome Sean Summercamp. He's a speaker, an executive coach, and he serves as the chief motivationer of his company, Motivationer Christian Coaching. Sean, welcome to the Twins Talking Up Podcast. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. It's so great to be here, man. Thanks a lot for having me. This is Danny. Uh, I love how David just introduced you. And I think as David stated earlier, we think about these athletes around the world who are going for the gold. And each of these athletes are what you would call at the peak of their sport. But yet every single one of them has a coach to help give them that split second. It could be 0.01, 0.02 worth of a second but that's what's going to help them get to the gold rather than getting a silver or even not even placing in the medal round. And so each of these individual athletes who are at the best of their field, they have coaches. So we understand that it doesn't matter who you are in any area of your life, you are going to need a coach. So tell us a little bit about your own experience working with an executive coach. And then how did that help you carve out your own path towards the field of coaching towards your own path of coaching as a career. I do like that you guys made that connection on your own without me even telling you that I experienced coaching and then like, well, I got into it because a lot of people just think I selected it. But no, like you're suggesting, I was working at uh, General Electric and in the leadership development program, they require all their future leaders to go to this private GE college in Lake Ossipee, New York. They call it Crotonville. It's an entire campus owned and run by GE for leadership development. And I went there for my first five-day program. And one of those days, lo and behold, they had me sit with an executive coach. Never even heard of that. Didn't even know what it was. And the guy just basically proceeded to blow my mind. And as soon as I was done with that um, session with him, I went right to the leaders of the Crotonville facility. And I said, so who is that guy? And what do I have to do to become like that guy? And the reason is, is because I always have wanted to be, I thought I was supposed to be in the full-time ministry. And yet those doors always closed for me. And when I was coached by this guy, it just clicked. I could use coaching to help Christian professionals be better in their career using Christian principles. And it just basically took off from there. Uh, Sean, this is David. I appreciate you sharing that. And, and it's really encouraging to be able to hear your passion for helping people. 
is it your faith that led you to define that niche of working with Christian minded or Christian business leaders or what led you to choose that niche? Because for the coaching field world, yeah. really, you could choose any niche, yeah. but specifically chosen to work with Christian business leaders. Well, you know, I got to say the, the, the only way I could really figure out what, how that would work is going back to when I first heard about the coaching and I decided to start getting some coaching training. And when you go get training certification, um, part of good certification programs are to help you determine your niche. Ooh. And I've always had a love for God's word. And I mean, not just, oh, I like reading it. I mean, I like really digging into it and finding profound truths about all of life. And what happened was when I enrolled in my coach certification program, it's called IPEC. As I'm being coached, trained by the master certified coach over this one year period, every coaching technique, principle, coaching philosophy, every time. I'm like, oh, that sounds a lot like that Bible verse. Oh, you know what? That sounds a lot like that one. Everything, nonstop. And I realized, you know what? There's power in that, for me at least. I think there's probably enough people that would want to keep their focus on Christ while advancing so they don't get disrupted in their faith that I could probably make a business out of it. And uh, as God would have it, I'm blessed by the fact that, yep, lots and lots of people want to do that. Yeah, Sean, this is great. I actually have been privy to one of your workshops and you do a fantastic job. And Thanks. I love just the way you make everybody feel like they're a part of the conversation and you don't overcomplicate it. And I, that's what I love about the way you approach mm -hmm. your coaching. So one of the throw that in there, I know it's a little bit Thanks. of a snippet here, but I appreciate that. Uh, Dan, I think you were about to share something. I apologize. No, no, I appreciate it, Dave. That's a, that was a great thing to throw in there. I, I love the fact it doesn't matter really any successful program that's out there. Even if you look at AA, right? Almost everything has a basis of biblical concepts on the back end. And when we think about how to motivate people, how to move people, yeah. I mean, nobody did it better than Jesus, right? Right, exactly right. Christ. So there's a lot of programs out there. And every time I sit back and I think about those programs, I always think about, wow, those foundations or those principles are biblical based. And I had a friend who, who wasn't a Christian, but, but he read the Bible all the time. And I said, mm -hmm. why are you reading the Bible? He goes, man, there's so much good wisdoms and nuggets in here. It has changed my life forever. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. I really appreciate the fact that you said you found that every time you went to a coaching class or you went to this workshop, every aspect of it reminded you of the Bible. So yeah. that is, that is phenomenal. What, what I want to know is let's take it from your perspective. When we, when we get a coach, what is the goal of coaching and why do mm -hmm. high achieving individuals, CEOs, vice presidents, directors of organizations, uh, even high wealth uh, accountants and people in the financial industry, why would they want an executive coach to support their career? And when I think about that as well, do they look at you as more of a partnership or a more of a sounding board, what is it that they really want to get from an executive coach? <clears throat> well, ultimately, all of us have blockers. All of us have blind spots. Mm -hmm. um, only the most arrogant don't. So being willing to, I think, have a little bit of intellectual humility and saying, you know what, I don't know everything is a great place to start when you're wanting to kind of climb that corporate ladder or reach 
let's say higher than you've been able to reach. And that means you admit someone else can help me reach higher because I can't quite see all the places that I'm missing. In professional coaching, we're trained to look for the things that are blocking the person. That's what basically I do every coaching call. Identify, okay, there's a blocker there, there's a blocker there, there's a blocker. And that means internal blockers. <clears throat> there's a lot of external blockers that keep us from reaching high, but we can't do anything about those. So we get to let them go. Mm. We don't have to stress, worry. That's all kind of part of God's plan. But the stuff that happens on the inside, yep, we can change those, but we mostly don't see it. Now, I have my own executive coach. I've been working with Al Benowitz, shout out to Al, for nine years now. And he helps me see stuff all the time that I don't see, and then helps me find a little system or process or um, let's just say a path to getting there on my terms, which is kind of what a coach is supposed to do. If you're on a coaching call with a coach and they're not having you find the path forward, take that next step, then it's probably not a great coach. You know, Sean, this is David. I appreciate you sharing that. And that's a great point. When I think about the clients I work with and support them, you know, you look for those barriers, those blockers, the thing that the areas that hold them back. And what you'll find is that some of these high driven um, leaders will stick to what they're good at and yeah. they will deflect or they'll delegate to other people within an organization to kind of quote unquote, pick up the slack. And so what you do is not just help them to identify the barrier, but why that's there. How do we push through that and understanding that that very change, that shift in their perspective, that ability to overcome that area can make all the difference in their organization and even in their own life because it spills over in their personal life. So you talk about these benefits, Sean, and there's been incredible research done on what we call return of investment that it's worth it. And there are times I'll work with clients and they'll say, well, Dave, that's really a lot of money, but I understand the value of investment and I want to invest in myself. And then they'll say, well, maybe I'll ask my organization if they'll pay for some of this because we want the organization to invest in their people. And we know that people leave because of management that they don't, they're not happy with. And they yeah. also leave when they don't feel invested in or believed in. So yeah. In these studies, there was a study that was done where 100 executives over the last 10 years, they shared that in those 10 years of working with an executive coach, they've seen a 570% return wow. on their initial investment of hiring that coach. Fortune 500 companies believe in this principle. They hire people full time. And when they, there was a research done through, I believe it was Forbes, they showed a 529% increase of executives in terms of their own personal investment. So why do you feel, or why do you suppose more and more companies aren't investing in their mm. really C-suite or their top management? Or why do you feel like there are people that don't invest in themselves in that way? Are there benefits that they're missing? They're not capturing the no. field of coaching? What could be done differently to really increase executive coaching and this type of presence and helping these leaders excel? We'll be right back after this short break. We want to thank our sponsor for today's episode, Live Love Thanks. Live Love Thanks helps purpose-driven women leaders, executives, and entrepreneurs to permanently eliminate clutter and end stress and overwhelm so they can move forward in their careers, relationships, and health. Visit 
LiveLoveThanks.com for impactful coaching and program professional women's. I am delighted to announce that App Meetup's customers can now benefit from the presentation and speaking training courses with our integration and partnership with DSB Leadership Group. DSB Leadership Group is committed to providing training and resources to support professionals becoming more effective communicators and increase their impact and value. And that is the reason why App Meetup and DSB Leadership Group have formed a partnership to make sure that our MSPs, which is you, can be effective and powerful speakers in the community. Whether you are hosting a major conference, a specialized training, or a year-end corporate event, finding the right keynote speaker or breakout speaker should be at the top of your priority list. Partner with Elite Speaker Services to book speakers according to your specifications and needs. Elite Speaker Services has the depth of speakers and the experience to bring you peace of mind and a successful event. Go to EliteSpeakerServices.com for all your event needs. Let us deliver the message your audience needs to hear. Let us deliver beyond your expectations. Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. As a special thank you, we have an amazing offer for our listeners. 20% off products or services on our website. Just send us an email with the subject line podcast, and we will send you that special discount code at dsbleadershipgroup.com. And now, let's get back to the episode. Welcome back to Twins Talk It Up podcast. Well, I do think, interestingly, top leaders are very familiar with it and get coaching for themselves. But on the flip side, it's us as coaches. We've not done, I I don't think anyways, a really great job of communicating the value of ourselves as my business, you as your business. And what it seems like is there's so many choices and so many of them are kind of fluffy. How do I know a great coach from a not so great coach? That means it then comes down to a word of mouth recommendation, right? Mm -hmm. So the... I have coached lots of senior executives who then go, man, you've helped me so much. I'm going to hire you to coach my entire team. I coach some um, Charleston Southern University. My goodness. <clears throat> if anybody from CSU is listening, I am so sorry. But they hired me to then coach all their deans, for example. I think it doesn't happen more because the people that are experiencing that um, breakthrough go on to do the thing that they're going on to do, not to represent you within their company. And then now you, with that in mind, what really exists out there that's communicating a marketing message to businesses to hire executive coaches? Very few. The ones that do are like the Stephen Covey system or, um, you know, some of those other ones that are connected with books like the John Maxwell. And they just look at it as leadership development. They don't realize it is coaching, you know? So we could do a better job of, I think, putting together some great marketing, consistent, really a good way maybe to measure if you got a good coach or not. This is Danny. Um, I, I like I like how you, you said that you hire, uh, work with one individual at a time, they like you, they hire you for the whole team. That kind of reminds me of if, if you ever go on YouTube or look at videos of Akeem Olajuwon, even though he's retired, um, he's one of the best big men that ever played the, the, yeah. the game of basketball. And he's the only person that Michael Jordan fears when he played. That's what Michael Jordan said. And on the YouTube videos, you see Kobe Bryant, you see um, LeBron James are training with him. He's teaching Uh, his foot movement. 
I mean, there's, I don't think there's a big man that can move as, as, as well as he is. And that's the reason why Shaq hated playing with them as well. Yeah. But they, these individuals realized that, that they needed more coaching than what they're receiving. And one recommendation from, Hey, you need to go work with Akeem, even though he's retired. And all of a sudden, all these athletes, first it was Kobe Bryant. And then a, a couple of years after he retired, LeBron James, and now some of the, um, what we call the middle big man now because big men are being phased out for three-point shooters are now working with the Kim Olajuwon so they can stay relevant in the game. Uh, so I love how you are stating, look, my concentration is just with one individual and then that individual can spread me out through the team. I think it goes back to what Dave and you had mentioned earlier about perspective and why perspective is so important. Yeah. How, do you, how do you help remove these blinders, these barriers that some of these leaders have some of these high potential employees have, as you said earlier, almost everybody in the C-suite, they know that they need coaching and most of them have a coach. Right. Uh, they know that the coach coaching has increased their own personal wealth and their ability to run the organization better. But yeah. how can you help those who are maybe getting towards the C-suite, there may be upper middle management who still have these blinders on, who still don't, they're kind of skeptical of coaching. How do you help them with that perspective? And then once you help with the, that perspective, how do you help them build self-awareness uh, so that they can actually help their personal self as well as their own organization? Well, one of my clients is a very successive, a successful wealth manager out on the West Coast. And he said something years ago, but I've always kind of kept it for me and I use it now for me. In his business, he says... I don't poach millionaires. I make them. Well, so what I do as a coach, I take whoever comes to me and then I make them senior executives. That is my number one approach. Wherever you're at, I try to help the people see you, you know, advance up the chain of command. And because of, I'm a Christian, people higher up the chain of command will have a larger impact on Christ. Yes, if you're even on an assembly line, or sweeping floors, you can have an impact on Christ within the company you're working. But when you're at a much higher level, people will listen to you a little bit longer. And that's happened with me. When I first started at GE, I was one of the youngest people on the team. I was working for them for like six months, something like that. But I was, we were all remote. And then we were supposed to go to Milwaukee, where we were headquartered, and have a big meeting and meet me and one of the other new people and do a, a one week mid-year meeting. So I flew there early to go kind of introduce myself to a few names I recognized, but I never met them in person. And I went up to one office. I'm like, oh, I recognize her name. And I knocked on her little doorpost. Her back was to me as she was typing. She turns to look at me and then goes like this, oh, and then turns back around and keeps typing. Now that's my introduction for the first time ever to that team. Now, as God would have it within a year, I became her boss. So what do you think happened the next time I knocked on the door? Come on in, Sean, hey, have a seat here, right? I don't know what it is, but scientifically I'll say, or psychologically, but when people are in leadership roles, you listen a little bit longer, even if you don't buy what they're saying. So what I try to do with everybody is help them advance up the chain of command quickly, rapidly, without selling their soul to the 80 hour work week, because you do not need to. Mm. And then I help them become senior executives. That's been my track record. Is that kind of a weird answer? No, that's awesome. I, that, that would make me, if you say I help, help you move up the executive food chain, 
I'll be, I would tell myself, where do I sign up? And my first coaching question to you would be, what makes you call it a food chain? <laughs> I love it. I love it. Because you, you're literally, it's, it's in my world, this is David, Sean. And when you're, Dan and I work with a lot of sales leaders, we know that people don't like to lie to their, or they don't like to argue against their own numbers. They won't lie to themselves from their perspective, but you could point it out to them. You said, and so part of the role of coaching is really listening, listening for what's yeah. being said, listening for what's not being said, and then putting it back in their face in a good way to say, look, you can't run from this. This is something you've got to own. This is something you've got to really take hold of because this could be the thing holding you back before looking at the next promotion or the next stage of your career growth, right? So when you think about these professionals and executives, let me ask this question. What are the objectives or the roadblocks you hear from leaders that say they don't want to be coached? Is it because some of them are wise enough, quote unquote, that they know they're going to be called out, that they know they need to change? Is it just as simple as saying, Dave, I don't have the budget for it. I don't have the time for it. What are the objectives that you hear, Sean, and how do you help people to realize the value of, of coaching despite those objectives? Well, very interestingly, I don't know a lot of other people that are necessarily doing it the way that I'm doing, but I don't sell. I don't try to convince people to coach. What I do, I have a very um, well-defined, mapped out, detailed, year-long client acquisition strategy that I get people into, and then they just kind of go through and consume the information. And then I kind of slowly take them through the process. As you know, being a coach, the um, average uh, sales life cycle to get hired is about eight months. So all I do is I go speak anywhere I can publicly for free. I don't charge people when I go to fly into town and speak at their location. I just speak for them. And what I found is for every 50 people that are listening, one person will make the connection on their own and hire me. The rest get into my, you know, to be technical sales funnel, but really it's in, in my value stream because I choke everybody with a value. I, anybody who gets into my content system gets so much free stuff, they would never even need to hire me. Do people have a certain level of arrogance? Yeah, I don't need a coach, I'm sure but I don't really concern myself with them because when they're ready, they will find a coach. I think, I, I forget, I never looked it up. I'm going to look it up now that I'm saying it on a podcast where a lot of people are going to hear me say it. There, it. There's a saying, maybe in Sun Tzu's Art of War, when the student is ready, the master will appear. It ultimately doesn't matter mm. if the person's not ready for it or not, because when they are ready, boom, it's going to happen for them. What I like to do is focus on people that are ready and those that are reach out and say, Hey, Sean, let's, let's connect. You know, what can we do to connect? And usually what I do to make sure it's a good match is speak with them for about an hour. They're selecting me, but I'm also selecting them because if it's not a good match, I'll like, Hey man, you guys should call David. David's going to be a better coach for you and see if you connect with them. If you don't, you can, you know, send them to somebody else because we want them to be successful. We just know sometimes the click isn't there for us, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. I, I really love how you shared that. That's such a great point. And I think that the people that are wanting to be coached, they're ready. A lot of them are yeah. ready. And there's a willingness to be coached. And I think that's what I look at when I think about these high performers, these athletes, these musicians. There's an area of confidence that they have. They have to have that confidence. They want to succeed. They want to be the best that they could be. 
but there's also a willingness to be molded and to be partnered with someone else. And that's what I love. I appreciate you sharing that, Sean. Yeah. Yeah. I do think sometimes I'll get a client who knows they can do more, but they're in a very low negative energy state. I got a call once from a CEO over a healthcare system who said, Hey, I, I'm looking to hire a coach. I'm like, tell me your situation. He's like a new board of directors chair came in, summarily fired all the CEOs of all the hospitals in that healthcare system. And I was one of them. And I'm like, you know what? I'll be able to help you find another job. This is going to be easy. He said, I don't think so. To which I said, tell me what, what, what you mean? He's like, now everybody knows I'm a fraud. 35 years as a CEO of one of the largest hospitals in one of the largest health systems in the world, he gets fired and his thinking is I'm a fraud. So even though sometimes people aren't as excited when they first talk with me, a few simple Jedi mind tricks and they're starting to see around their blockers and they get the vision, you know. I know you've had the same experience. I'm not telling you, telling your listeners. I've had a few of those, Sean, and yeah. uh, this is David. And I remember one client in particular who, very successful business, but just felt stuck, reached out to me and said, look, I'm a little embarrassed to ask for help, but I know I need help. Mm. And I thought, wow, that's so interesting that you would say you're embarrassed by it. You know, when you really think about the people that are striving and they're thriving, there's not an embarrassment because all they're, they're looking at is the success. And he got to a point where he was able to push through the blockers he had. And some of those, as you mentioned very early on in our program, is their internal blockers. And then they've been so deep rooted, rooted in his mind that it was very hard to overcome that. And so a lot of our coaching wasn't about the aspect of what to do in his business as much as how he approached his thought process, whether it's through meditation, mm. whether it was you know through different exercises, We've done different tactics and, and you really have to mold it and change it. So it is interesting that you bring that up. And I, and I love how he says, Sean, this might be difficult, but we're really taking that 35 years of experience and we're really giving him a different shift and different way of looking at himself and a different way of thinking. It's the whole adage of how do you see an elephant in the room, right? If you're all blind, you can only describe it from your angle. Right. You start to show him the entire picture of the elephant, what the elephant's capable of that's when the blinders come off and that's when they start to see. So I appreciate you sharing that. Or how about from a Christian perspective, Romans 12 two, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So I'm, I do a Saturday free coaching zoom call and some people from Athens, Greece join. And I asked one of them years ago now, okay, what does that word um, by the renewing of the mind mean? And she said, it's the Greek word is anakanasi. And it's still used in Greece today, even though the Koine language of the New Testament is dead. Lots of words are still used. And that word they use when they talk about renovating their kitchen. Mm. So if we renovate one of our clients' minds, they will be transformed as a person. And that's the Romans 12, 2 promise. I can't help it. I got I to talk about it. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. That is awesome. I, I, and that actually goes back this is Danny that actually goes back to you your in the very beginning you talked about your your foundation of your principles uh and yeah. that's why I think it's great that you're able to bring up a uh, the bible and and mm -hmm. be able to go back to it and then have actually have people from Greece to actually ask them hey what is the real in-depth meaning of the specific word yeah. I think that's fantastic uh it just stays true to who you are I I, I think about a client I'm working with at this moment where uh, as a consultant 
that out of California. And they've been growing year over year, really good pace. Last three or four years, uh, revenue has dropped below $20 million a year. And so I'm here meeting with the CEO and David tell you how, uh, how I've been, how long it took to, in order to help get the contract closed. And initially the CEO was like, hey, look, you go and help my people, coach my people, coach my VPs. And, and that's what I do. I always love the, the, it doesn't matter if I'm working for a client or I'm actually hired as a VP or head of sales for a company. I always look at myself as a coach first. And yeah. I always look at myself as how can I motivate? How can I inspire? How can I change the mindset of individuals? Because they wouldn't be in this particular role if they didn't have some of the qualities needed to be successful in the role. It's just mm -hmm. something keeping them from succeeding. And then after, was it now five, six weeks, Dave, with this client? But the CEO finally realized, okay, maybe I'm the one who needs coaching. Oh, that's pretty oh. good. That's good. It, it, it is. Uh, it's like, look, you hired me. And initially it, it's you holding everyone else back. <laughs> it's not them holding themselves back. It's you holding mm -hmm. everyone back. And I, I love the humility. Once, mm -hmm. once he realized what was happening, he has been eager and has tackled this head on. And so awesome. I, I definitely see... They're, the company going back up past the 20 million uh, mark over the next couple of years because of the attitude of willing to build out certain processes. So my question for you is really of once you get into the position of coaching uh, these executives, these leaders, um, is it hard for them to develop a habit or to change their lifestyles to make sure they include you in their very, very busy schedule? even though inside their mind, they know it's important, but is it very difficult for them to change it? And I bring this up because uh, uh, there's a statistic that showed that 100% of the people who, who do New Year's resolutions, every single one of them will fail, but yet some will continue to succeed. Out of those that succeed, 82% ultimately fail in the New Year's resolutions. Hmm. So for these individuals who hire you as a coach to come in and help them, maybe they're eager. As you said, you had an example where the CEO wasn't eager, but maybe they're eager, maybe they're not, but how do they continue to stay motivated or how can they continue to have that habit of having you continue to be in their lives to continue to help them from beginning to end? Well, I, there's nothing more powerful than when they realize the importance for themselves personally. So I'd say 95% of the time, a CEO or very high level executive in a massive company will hire me they just can't wait for the next session. They're excited. And then after the way my coaching pricing works, usually you go through one of three packages. And then ultimately, at some point, you're going to be done with the coaching package. I've got about 15 lifetime clients that I've been coaching for six, seven, eight years. So they want to keep it going and see it. Once they get into that lifetime, then it becomes once a month or once every three months in some cases. But in 5% of the time, someone will hire me. And even though we make some progress in the initial one or two, they don't follow up for future sessions. And I'll check in on them. Hey, just thinking about you. How you doing? Great. We'll catch up in a few months. What I have found to a person, they will eventually have that paradigm shift. You know what? I have a coach. Why don't I just reach out to the coach? It always happens. So what we try to do, what I try to do as a coach is meet them where they're at not try to bring my agenda into it. If I think they're supposed to be meeting once a week, 
they have to call me back. They're not following up. Then I've missed it as a professional coach. That's not what we do. We're not supposed to uh, have them get into our box, nor do we get into theirs. We're supposed to be outside that box, as you know, and meet them in the direction they want to go. And what I have found is if I let those that hire me and don't follow up languish a little, it develops trust because I'm not trying to sell them or push them. Now, if I have a client that says, I want you to push me, oh, I will push because that's their agenda, not mine, you know? We'll be right back after this short break. We want to thank our sponsor for today's episode, Paul Jackowitz of pauljackowitz.com. For all your website design and management needs, visit Paul Jackowitz. That's Paul J-A-C-K-I-E-W-I-C-Z dot com. Thank you for checking out the DSB Leadership Speaking Podcast. If you are enjoying the program and are learning something along with us, please consider becoming a supporting member through our Patreon page at patreon.com slash twins talk it up. Also, consider leaving a five-star rating on Apple and comment on our other platforms, including YouTube. If you'd like to learn more, and get more information, we would like you to become a guest on our future episode. Send us a message via our website at www.dsbleadershipgroup.com. Are you projecting the right image to your market? Are you optimizing your name recognition and presence online? Elite Public Image is a leader in strategic communications and marketing solutions, ranging from public relations, brand communications, and content marketing strategy to social media and reputation management for businesses, professionals, and VIPs of all types. Whether you're looking to develop a spectacular brand or need a brand refresh, look no further than Elite Public Image. Visit ElitePublicImage.com and let Elite put their experience to work for you. Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. As a special thank you, we have an amazing offer for our listeners for a free consultation over the next two weeks. Visit our website and schedule your free 30-minute consultation. And now, let's get back to the episode. Welcome back to Twins Talk It Up podcast. John, this is David. I've got to ask, this is as a follow-up. And you're really coaching them to what they allow you to do as a outside voice, outside presence. For that last scenario, when that client says, Sean, coach me up. How do you help with the clients that don't necessarily foster that level of accountability? And because ultimately what you don't want, Sean, and this is how I am. I mean, I like to be liked. I know that a lot of people struggle with that too, but I don't want to be the guy that gets pointed at saying, Dave, it's, I didn't really grow the way I wanted to because you didn't help me when in reality, they didn't want that level of accountability. Mm. And so for what I do, I always tell people, I do a courting situation where we have a discovery call. We agree. Then we do three sessions. I have them book three sessions. And then at the end of the third session, I say, I'm going to give you permission to say no. I'm going to give myself permission to say no. But if they don't want that level of accountability, uh, I got to assume that's got to be tough to be able to continue to work with them. Um, but how do you get them to eventually switch from, let's say, that stubbornness or that perspective to, Sean, I really want what you're doing. I love the ability to have that accountability. I love that challenge. 
um, because ultimately you're feeding back into who they really are, the driven individuals. Um, but do you ever have those situations, Sean? And how do you help them overcome that? I don't. And here's why. When I'm doing my intake process, let's say they've decided to hire me. We've had a good call. We clicked. Now they want to move forward. Before we have a first session, I send them a client enrollment workbook, which makes them kind of go deep and dark. One of the questions I have them write out a detailed answer to, what level of accountability works for you? If I'm getting frustrated at something that they're doing, then I've let myself get into their box. Mm. As a coach, I can't do that. I, I have to be completely detached. Now, I love them and I care about them and I'm very involved, but their behavior isn't going to make me frustrated. You know, what I do is have them write out what works for you for accountability. Some people go drive me, mm. ask me constantly, get tough with me, embarrass me if you have to. That's one out of, let's say, 600 people. Mostly everybody says, I'm disciplined. Just give me a little gentle reminder from time to time and I'll go. And then when we're on the coaching call, as I know you guys do, when we're working on a specific area, I say, okay, what do you think about when you want to do that? And they'll say, yeah, you know what? I'm going to do that next week. Yeah. Okay. What time next week? I'm going to do it probably by Wednesday. Okay. What time Wednesday? I'm going to do it Wednesday morning. Okay. What time Wednesday morning? I'm going to do it at 9 a.m. Okay. 9 a.m. Wednesday morning. You're going to do that. That's great. How do you feel about sending me a text to let me know when it's done? You know what, Sean? I'm fine doing that. Then I say, as a good coach does, what's the top one or two risks that are going to keep you from achieving that at Wednesday at nine? They'll tell me. And then I'll say, okay, what can you do to mitigate that risk? Now, as you know, as a coach, when we get to the next session and we review what we've done, sometimes a client's not going to have completed that task. Right. Almost every time they feel embarrassed. And I tell them, listen, we can learn just as much from not accomplishing it as we can from getting it done. Don't be embarrassed. Have grace on yourself. I'm good with it. I don't care. It's whatever you want. I'm here for you. I think that's why I don't have to get into the accountability swirl. And I keep, I have all these many, many, many long-term relationships. This is what, what do you think about that? I'd like to hear your thoughts. What do you think? Go ahead, Dave. I personally, Sean, I love that because you, you get them to own it. That's what really matters. Yeah. At the end of the day, they own what they say they're going to commit to. Yep. And so it's important that that's established so that you're not the bad guy. You're like, look, this is what you said you're going to do. But you know what I really love, though, Sean? It's, it's not just the, hey, um, you said you were going to call me or you're going to give me an update on Tuesday or Monday at nine. I mean, Monday. OK, what time on Monday? Right. So it gets them thinking that this can't just be something that's an afterthought. This has got to be a part of their personal growth. Yeah, I yeah. can't imagine an athlete thinking to themselves, I don't really feel like doing that exercise today. But that very exercise, as minute as it might seem, could be the very thing that takes you over the edge. And so you may not feel like it, but if you believe in the process, you believe in the end goal, what you want, these little things which may seem unimportant can end up becoming the most important factors to yeah. your success. So it's not just about holding them accountable. It's about, Hey, you want to get to this level. You said, right. We, we did that whole values strengths assessment. These are your core values. This is what you said you want to do. All you're doing is reminding them of what they say they want. And that's what I love about what you shared, Sean. It's like, you can remove yourself. I'm not the bad guy yet. Yeah, am I involved? Yes. Cause I want my clients to be successful, but at the same time, 
they've got to want to own their own success. Go ahead, Sean. I think you're going to say something. How about this? There is no bad. There's no wrong. Hmm. Proverbs 16.33 says, though the lot is cast into the lap, it's every decision is from the Lord. That means however you roll the dice, the way it lands is part of God's plan. So you didn't follow up with me? Hey, part of the plan. You um, missed your target and you got fired from your company? Hey, part of the plan. You screamed at your employees at a big meeting in front of everybody? Hey, part of the plan. It's not good or bad. All it is now is what are we going to do to respond to it? Our response is what we want to learn to get better at. And this is emotional intelligence, which is one of the top three predictors of career success. So I help my clients always commit to saying, yep, I'm not going to look at it as good or bad, right or wrong. I'm just going to look at it. Is this what's happened? And then say, is that the kind of outcome I wanted? Okay, no. What can I do better next time to get a different outcome? This is Danny. I want to... Um... I, I do appreciate that. And I think that's very deep. I also appreciate coming from the perspective, you said something very unique to your client. You also said, after you fine tune the date, the time, um, you also said, what are the one or two things that could actually keep you from, yeah. from make, making it happen or yeah. completing the task? And I think sometimes when um, I was never part of uh, AA or anything like that, but I had friends that were, and they had this accountability buddy, but they also had these trigger points that they're supposed to know, right? Yeah. Uh, typically when they fall and uh, relapse, were they tired? Were they hungry? Hungry, angry, lonely, tired, know, halt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. When they know that these these things are happening, they go through these checklists, they know, okay, I know I'm about to, I'm about to fall. I better call somebody. Yeah. So in the same sense with our clients, you said something like, look, you're, you're committing to something, but yet what is the one or two things that can actually keep you mm-hmm. from completing that? I love that because it's, it's making them aware to say, okay, you know what? I really, in my heart, I want to do the right thing. In my mm-hmm. heart, I want to grow. But yet there is this one animal right here that if I don't take care of it, it's going to keep me from achieving my goal. Uh, I, I love how you do that. At what point does your clients realize that, hey, there's some trigger points that if I don't do this, it's going to keep me from ultimately achieving my goal. Yeah, I think that line of questioning helps get them to that realization point. But Mm -hmm. me asking them what could get in your way, that's because my whole career background is project management. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I worked on these huge projects. And when I eventually became a leader and started training my team, I would say, okay, let's look into your crystal ball. If you can't predict the exact time that equipment's going to arrive, the customer's going to pay, the training's going to start, the system's going to be um, live and in production, then we're not asking enough questions. We're not identifying risk. So risk mitigation is kind of second nature to me. And I kind of brought that into my coaching. And ultimately, um, after one or two times of doing this over a coaching relationship period, they start saying it on their own. And what we're doing, we're tricking them to think into right hemisphere, you know, going into that area where we can't see into the beyond and visualizing ourselves doing it when we get to that specific time. And once they picture it, we have tricked them into setting an intention. Once they've set that intention, psychologically, the Zegernick effect keeps them from not accomplishing it. So they're going to accomplish it. It's just a a fun little thing I get to help them explore. And then once they realize it, they get all 
giddy about it, you know, and then they can use it on themselves forever after that, you know. Yep. I love that, Sean. This is David. It's the little things you learn when you understand who your clients are and that yeah. each client's going to be a little different, but you know what you can push to get them to that space where they actually go through that and they learn how to become more resilient. They learn to become stronger in their mindset and they say, hey, I guess I can do this. It's the whole adage of how do you know you could break a four minute mile? You got to just do it. And once you do it, that barrier is no longer there, right? Yeah. And how do we know we can break 10 seconds and 100? Well, once you do it, it can always be done. Now you got to go nine, 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 eight, right? And so that's what's really going on. But I wanted to ask you, Sean, just a little bit about your speaking as well. You're not only an executive coach, you're also a speaker. Are your topics generally built around your world of executive coaching or what do you typically be, what are you brought in typically to speak about or speak on when it comes to some of these organizations or these events that you go to? Um, all but one. And the one was through this group, Elite Speaker Services, you know, Rich. Mm -hmm. um, he got, I got a speaking engagement where I went to the um, Pacific Design and Manufacturing Conference and spoke about the aging out of the manufacturing population. You know, I happen to be a researcher too, so I'm really good at pulling together research, but that's one outlier. All the rest are science, psychology, and scripture. All of it. Always, always. That's it. That's the big three. And based on who I'm speaking to, it's going to, well, it's going to always be about career to our professional aspiration. And because of who I am, it's so that we can achieve great success professionally without compromising our faith in Christ. Because mm -hmm. so one of the most, I'd say, frequently asked questions I've received is, how can you with a clear conscience commit to helping people make a lot more money? Isn't that bad? And I'm like, well, first of all, it's the love of money. That's the root of all kinds of evil. We're not looking at good or bad. It's, Hey, what do I love? Second thing is before they make it, I ask them to commit to giving it away before they ever make it. So it's not about the money. It's about living up to our potential and then using what God's given us to help many other people, which in my world is financial gain. I love that. This is David, by the way, Sean. I love how you said it's about living up to your potential. Yeah. And really, when you think about it, we're all created with incredible potential. I'm not going to be like my twin. I'm not an engineer. I don't look at things methodically in that way. I'm more this free spirited. But for Dan to get to his potential, he had to really come to his own element. He took things apart which frustrated me sometimes growing up, why, why my toys were broken, why the radio wasn't working. But that's how he was able to come to discover his potential. And I think for us, when we're working with clients, it's helping them say, what is your image of where you want to see yourself, whether it's a career advancement, a raise, perhaps a raise in their company, or it's to start their own business. You actually help to unlock that. And then once they achieve that, you say, now, can we stay here and do more? Or can we stay here and be in an element where we feel like we're having greater influence or greater impact? To me, I think that's pretty inspiring, Sean, and I love that. And I also appreciate how you try to stick to your, your strengths, so to speak. Yeah. People will ask me, Dave, can you come and do business coaching? And I say, no, I don't. That's not what I do. Is it because I can't do it? No, but that's not what I'm focused on. That's not what I'm known for. In reality, there are probably other guys out there, other companies you can hire that can help you with that arena. But my belief, Sean, has evolved to where I look at it this way. If you can grow and develop personally as a leader, 
you're going to see the results and the company's going to follow in terms of processes and methodology, what tools are used, all that could be fine-tuned with an, a business coach or with somebody else. But in terms of the actual growth of the company, retention of your employees, customer satisfaction, all that can be done in my mind by helping the leader to help see himself or herself in a different way. So I love that part of it. I just wanted to share kudos to you on that. I, I just think that's fantastic. Cool, man. Dan, anything you want to add there? Uh, I, I didn't mean to steal the thunder, but Sean, I've known each other for a while and I feel like I just keep chiming in on you. I remember that <laughs> I lunch that. we had like five years ago. I restaurant. love it. First time we met. Yeah. No, I, I can definitely feel the, how you two guys basically almost the same wavelength, right? You have almost a shepherding mindset when you, when it mm. comes to how you deal with people. Um, for those who are not coaches, and I'll tell you this, there are certain people that get promoted into certain positions in the corporate world because they were the top sales rep or they were the best in the, they had the best numbers and they got put into management. They, they're never, they've never been coached to be in that position. They've never yeah. been coached on how to deal with people. They know nothing about psychology and all this other stuff. And you wonder why that group's not succeeding, why mm. it's not doing well. And I, I would, I would think that from your backgrounds, you and both you and Dave being in, being in a, a background where you guys are used to biblically teaching people, you understand the nature of the heart, you understand the nature of the mind, and you understand that psychology. A lot of times that's what's missing in the corporate world. Yeah. People move up to the ranks by either uh, beating down to someone else in their group, by being the best in what they do, and they think that's all it takes in, in order to move up the corporate ladder. They're really missing the fundamentals of just really teaching of nurturing, of growing the right way. So when you go to an organization, maybe the CEO or VP brings you on board, Sean, and they want you to help them. What is it like when you actually see the rest of their environment? Are you doing the top-down approach where you you hoping that as you're coaching them so that they can move up or they can be successful as a VP or C-suite that hopefully they'll take that same lesson and teach others kind of like the true discipleship method where, you know, two, 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 uh, or are you then hoping that after that coaching is done and they bring you on board, other people can then hire you. Uh, what is the, what, what is it that you are ultimately trying to do when you see the masses suffering while you are coaching the executive? Um, I've always been a remote coach long before COVID. I started in 2012 coaching and long before I became a coach, I led teams globally mm -hmm. who worked from their homes. So I've never been an on-site type coach, like maybe a C12. Do you know who C12 is? Yep. You guys know that? No, yeah. Vince, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Some of these vicious cheers and all that kind of stuff. We had to yeah. go there and meet. Yeah. Yeah. I've never done that. So for me, I always make it a deeply interpersonal relationship between me and that person and I really don't try to project myself into the scene so that I think, oh, they could be helping somebody else. And the reason why I don't, yeah, I was taught that as a coach, but I know spiritually speaking, there's a passage in Ecclesiastes 10:20 that says, do not revile the king, even in your thoughts or curse the rich in your bedroom, lest a bird of the air carry your words, a bird on the wing report what you say. <laughs> That's right. That means whatever we're thinking, the three of us as coaches, they're going to sense it. We can't hide it. So if I come into the relationship thinking, you know what? I want them to teach other people this stuff. I've brought in my agenda again. 
I really always, and the technique I was taught by my master coach, uh, Stephanie Merowitz, oh, I got to reach out to her and apologize. But she said, if you start thinking in the moment of what you think is best, picture mm. yourself blending into your chair and becoming one with your chair. <laughs> Just take yourself out because that's really one of the um, biggest hurdles for us as a coach. Maybe hurdle isn't the right word. That's one of the things that is the highest potential client risk, us putting ourselves in there. So, hey, if they use it for the rest of their organization, yay. If they don't, equal yay. Yeah. No, I love that. And Sean, I'm going to tell you, I've learned from you today. This is David. So much more about being careful not to have your own agenda. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it's important that they continue to feel like they're in the driving position. Mm-hmm. You are the navigator. Mm. And in so many ways, they know where they want to go, but because some of them have never been down that path before, you're able to guide them because they trust in your process. They trust in you professionally. They trust in the work you've shown so far. You've demonstrated a spirit of trust. So why not continue going down that path? So I appreciate you sharing that. Sean, I want to also say this, what I love about you and what I think people would be encouraged by, if you are interested in in the world of coaching, reach out to Sean, go to his website, motivationair.com, find out more about his workshops, find out about his program, join him on his Saturdays where he's able to share some thoughts about coaching, the world of coaching, and maybe unlocking that potential within you. But on his site, and this is something that Sean goes by as his model, and I want to embarrass you a little bit, Sean, but I love this. You say your career is not just a way to make a living. It's Mm -hmm. a way to transform the world. Yeah. If you are a great coach and Sean is a great coach, he's not going to get you just to look with blinders in your own little spot as if that's the only impact you're going to have. He's going to help you to unlock your potential. And that's what a true coach does. And when they unlock your potential, you're going to see the ability to impact greater, greater audiences. And dare I say the world, you don't just win the gold medal for yourself. You win it for all those behind you, your country and the nation that you carry but also for the future Olympians. Yeah, wow. Unlock that potential. Get a coach like Sean. Sean, I want to thank you for joining us in this podcast. Thank you for being a good friend. Thank you for the work that you're doing. I pray that we continue to collaborate and help support each other. But Sean, thank you for joining the Twins Talking Up podcast. I can't wait to tell everybody about you guys. Thanks so much for having me. Love your energy. Appreciate what you guys are doing. Thank you. Take care, buddy. Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. Please subscribe and follow us on Instagram at DSB Leadership and visit us online at dsbleadershipgroup.com to learn more about our workshops and trainings. We will see you on the next episode of the Twins Talk It Up podcast.